Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... He wanted them to consent to having their eyes gouged out. They would have to consent to it. Uh, Oftentimes what the enemy wants to do in our lives, he can't just do to the believer. You got to agree with him. You got to get you got to get on his page. And so Satan doesn't have free access to you as a child of God. He can't just do whatever he wants to you. You got to get an agreement with him. You got to step outside the line. You, we have to agree with him and consent to him to let him in, give him access oftentimes. And so be careful about it. Don't give Satan anything. He is the enemy. Is there any part of your life that the enemy has a foothold in? Satan wants to steal, kill and destroy. In today's teaching, Pastor Bill will show listeners that while the enemy is always working to derail our lives, we have the choice to give him access. It's a daily struggle to put on the Spirit of God and resist the workings of the devil. Yet it is so important. Every day, you should ask for God's protection from the enemy. He will look for any way in, but through God's power, you can always say no. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. If you would look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, um, and and let me me just say this, Saul was anointed. It says that God put with Saul, God, uh, God gave him valiant men whose hearts God had touched. And they came alongside him. But remember afterwards, there were some rebels. Remember, there were some guys that uh, in verse 27, it says these guys said, how can this man save us? So they despised him. And so there were some guys that didn't really receive him as their king. Keep them in mind because they'll come up at the end of the study tonight. And so it says, but Saul, he he held his peace, right? He didn't bother with them. He didn't get caught up arguing with them over. He let them have their say. Now look at chapter 11, verse one. It says, then Nahash... The Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, make a covenant with us and we will serve you. So Nahash, the Ammonite, uh, if you're a note taker, uh, Nahash, his name means serpent or snake. Uh, that'll be important because that's exactly what he is. He, he go, he'll be representative of the enemy. So he's rightly named uh, Nahash, right? So Nahash, the Ammonite, the Ammonites are one of the groups that were always coming against God's people. And so Nahash, the Ammonite, he encamped. This is what that means. When, 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 a, when someone encamps around you, that means that they, they basically picked a fight. They've surrounded you and they basically said fight or surrender. That's what encamped around you means. So they, they didn't they didn't come around you just to like, you know, uh, hey, guys doing hey, guys, you're comfortable here uh, encamping around you. It'd be kind of like in our vernacular. Somebody ran up in your face. Right. There's you can talk to me from over there. But you run up in my face. Right. There's just if you in this vicinity, this is we're probably not talking anymore. There's some teeth going. Right. So they picked the fight with Israel here. And this is what I want you to note. Right. Because this is you see this trend throughout scripture. And you'll see this trend in your life. As soon as God establishes his work, right? God has said, look, I've established a king. And this is, this is a king over my people. Even though this wasn't God's A plan, God was their king. They had elected to have a king like everybody, but God gave them what they wanted. And this is God's doing. God selected Saul. God has raised him up. God has put him in position. Well, as soon as God gets something established, it's just like the enemy. As soon as God gets to work to show up and see what he can do to thwart, to hinder, to come against. 
You see this same trend if you read the book of Nehemiah, right? The, the walls of Jerusalem were in rubble. They were, they were in ruins. And when Nehemiah heard about the, just the condition of his home, Israel, it says that he was disturbed to the point of tears and prayer. Um, don't let your, if God burdens you with something, let that burden move you to pray, right? His burden moved him to prayer. The king saw his face and said, what's wrong with you? And he told him what was going on and God gave him permission to go. As soon as he sought the well-being of Israel, some, some enemies were, were alerted right away. Uh, Sam Ballot and Tobiah. They ain't care nothing about the walls. They weren't worried about But as soon as somebody said, I'm going to seek the well-being of Israel, the enemies came. And if you, if you go through the book of Nehemiah, it was first Nadab and Abihu. Then it was Nahab, Abihu, and the Arabs. Then it was Nahab, Abihu, the Arabs. The, the enemies, as, as, as they got further and further along in the work, the enemies were more and more and more. You'll find that to be the case in your life. If you're sitting around doing nothing, enemy not worried about you. And you just go on having a good old time. And as soon as you put your hand to the plow, as soon as you make a decision about what you're going to do for the Lord and put some feet to your faith. And then all of a sudden stuff goes haywire and an attack over here. And somebody says something there and something went wrong at work and the tire popped on the car and you name it. It's, it's just that's how it happens. We have to be committed to uh, follow through no matter what. That's what the enemy is going to do. The enemy is like, what can I do? How easy is it going to be to stop you? And this is, a, this is a commitment I've made for my household, uh, and I've run this for years, right? If something happens that is a minor distraction, right? Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to miss service. I'm not going to miss church. I'm not, if, I had, if I was set to serve and something goes wrong, I'm going to make sure that whatever I was set to do gets done. And I'm going to do it with a little more veracity now because I'm like, you're trying to stop me. You're trying to, you're trying to discourage me from this. There was a week where... Uh, when I was when I was at the, uh, the other church I used to serve at and I got invited to speak at Calvary Chapel Montebello. And um, and for you guys to know, that's uh, it's, it's a large church, a lot of people. And it was four services. And I had a message all prepared and I was excited to go give the message. And I got up that morning and somebody had shot my wife's back window out. Now, as a man, I'm a protector. And so I'm like, if something happens, if my wife seems unsettled or disheveled, I'll cancel on everybody and make sure my wife and kids feel covered and safe. Thank God I got a wife that's also a woman of faith. She was like, no, babe. She was like, it's, we'll be fine. You go do what you was going to do. We'll take your car. We're still going to go to church where we were going. You go over there and do that. And I drove over there and I, God gave me a whole new message. I was already going to preach. I'm going to give the gospel nasty at every service. And I'm going to slap the enemy all upside his head. If this was supposed to stop me. Um, and that was and, and, and it was a great, great Sunday. We rejoiced afterwards. I actually caught the guy that did it later uh, and was able to minister to him. Some young kid with a pellet gun. I caught him at 2 a.m. Uh, I just so happened I was out training. Me and my son had a German shepherd. We were training and I went outside and was working with him in the middle of the night and seen these guys with a, he had a red dot and was putting it on stuff. And I was like, this, that's who did, that's who got me. And, uh, and I went, I ran out there and grabbed it. It's not even like a real gun. It's, that's, it was a pellet gun I took. So uh, I gave it back to him later on after I had my discussion and all. But uh, carry on. The enemy will show up and in an attempt to hinder, to thwart, to throw us off. And so Nahash, the Ammonite, shows up. And I want you to see the condition that Israel is in that they immediately bow down. This, look at what Israel says. It says, the people of Israel say, hey, make a covenant with us and we'll serve you. 
right? Don't kill us. Let us let us be. We'll be your servants. Just make an agreement with us that you're not going to kill us. We'll be your servants. We'll be your servants. That's what we want to be. And so look at what the enemy says. Um, he said in verse two, Nahash the Ammonite answered them on this condition. I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all of your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. He said this this I'll let y'all live if I can put out everybody's right eye. I want you to think about, we'll talk about why in just a moment, but I'm going to explain some things about this, this tribe, the tribe Jabesh, and why they, they, you know, why they were in the condition that they were in. They had earlier, if you go to the book of Judges, at the end of the book of Judges, they do a roll call, and um, there were some people that needed wives, and they said, who didn't show up to the battle? That we, we had a battle, who didn't show up to help? And guess which tribe didn't show up to help? Jabesh Gilead. They said they didn't show up. They said, so they said for the men that need wives, what we're going to do is wipe them out and we'll take any virgins left over. We'll take them. So this is a weak group. They weakened and uh, and they're, they're left behind here. And so interesting here, they didn't show up to help, but now they're going to need some help. And God is merciful, right? Because I want you to think about this. If they were, if this was in our time frame, right? If somebody, you didn't show up to help me. Now you, now you need some help when you call. What, what would we say to them? Oh, 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 you need you need help now. Um, and so I just I'm glad God is better than us. Right. Because that's how people do each other. You didn't help me when I needed help, um, but they're going to need help. They're going to need people to show up and have their back. And this is going to provide Saul his first opportunity to stand in as king because these are God's people. Uh, even this, this tribe here, Jabesh Gilead, they, they're ready to submit already. And so let's talk about this for a minute. The gouging out of the right eye. This was a a practice that we see in the, some other enemies of God. The Philistines did this to Samson. Remember that? When they finally caught Samson, they, he was blind. They, they gouged out his eyes. They bound him and they had him grinding at the mill. And so it was something that they would do to disable uh, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon against Zedekiah. This was done. It was an Assyrian practice. And so uh, there was instances in Scripture where somebody right before they died, the last thing you get to see is your son killed and then gouge his eyes out, leave you with that memory can't see anymore. And so it was done to disable. In this instance here, all the right eyes, the way that they would hold their shield, that you needed your right eye. So the shield would would go up. And so if you had a shield up, it would disable them for battle. You guys will never be able to fight against us. We're going to make sure that you guys never rise up and come at us again. So you you'll be you'll be alive, but you'll be incapacitated as far as battle and war is concerned. And notice what it says at the end of verse two and to bring reproach on all Israel, right? I want to make a visible public spectacle of you guys that we own you. We got you guys bow down to us and let us gouge out your eyes. Um, And so we want to bring reproach on Israel. But Israel belongs to who? These are God's people. And so though they're weakened, though the enemy is greater than them, uh, which is oftentimes the case, there's never going to be an enemy that's greater than us and God. Y'all know that? doesn't matter how many, how big, how strong, how powerful. God's people that are with the Lord are always going to be a majority. And so this was Israel's problem throughout their history. When they were walking with the Lord, they were victorious. Things were going great. They would get prideful. They would fall into sin. They would fall into idolatry. They would become self-sufficient and they would fall away from the Lord. And then it would leave them open to attack of the enemy until they were again humbled and broken and they would cry out and God would just rescue over. That was that seems to be the pattern of Israel. May that not be the pattern of our lives. May we not have this seesaw sort of relationship 
with the Lord. The, the, the idea for us is that we would grow. We would, we would begin in faith and that we would grow in faith and we would continue in faith. Um, glory to greater glory that we would, we would grow stronger and stronger in our knowledge of and relationship with the Lord. Uh, we don't want to be on a seesaw. That's an unhealthy uh, that's an unhealthy existence. And this is what happens to people on a seesaw. They never really get going. If, if, if for every two steps forward, you take four back. Ten years in, you ain't went nowhere. Right. You just ten years in, you're just a bad example of a Christian. And, and when I know people like that, I mean, they, they've been their whole walk with the Lord has been like this. It's like, man, you haven't accomplished anything for the Lord. And then I know other people that got born again, were serious about the Lord. And three years in, they got fruit. They got fruit that remains. They're leading people to Christ. They're doing Bible studies and making disciples and, and they're off with it. And some people go like that until they meet the Lord. That's the goal. Those are the people I admire. I, I've watched, I watch people that you look at their life and it's just a trajectory that says, this guy's been serving the Lord since he was a young fella. And now he's an old guy. He's still serving the Lord. I, I admire that. When I see an old man and it's like that guy's been, since he met the Lord, Track record. He probably not a perfect guy, but I'm, I'm looking at a track record that said this guy met the Lord and never turned back. That's what I want to be. That's my that's my those, those are my heroes. Those are the guys that I look at. That's the model. I want to do that. I want to I want to get 80 if, if the Lord tarries and, and still be rocking with the Lord and, and blessing some grandbabies and some great grandbabies and whatever else God got at that time. And so but how do we get there? By, by continuing with the Lord from where we are right now. And you keep making steady forward progress in your walk. With the Lord. And so here's a few things about what the enemy was trying to do, right? He wanted them to consent to having their eyes gouged out. They would have to consent to it. Uh, oftentimes, what the enemy wants to do in our lives, he can't just do to the believer. You got to agree with him. You got to get you got to get on his page. And so Satan doesn't have free access to you as a child of God. He can't just do whatever he wants to you. You got to get an agreement with him. You got to step outside a line. You we have to agree with him and consent to him to let him in, give him access oftentimes. And so be careful about it. don't give Satan anything. He is the enemy. Amen. Don't give him any room. Don't leave a crack. Y'all know a good thief don't need but one. I just you know, I, I used to be a thief and I wasn't even a good one. Uh, one cracked window, one. Un I don't need all the house open. Just one vulnerable spot. We in there. I used to steal. Me and my friends used to steal cars, not cars. We would steal radios at uh, at the theater. We would go to the theater at the last showing and you would sit there and listen to everybody that rolled in bumping. And we would start black Camaro. That's me. Red Suburban. That's you. This one. That's you. And you wait till the last movie is 30 minutes in. And, you know, they're inside in the theater with surround sound. They can't hear the alarm going. Bow, bow, bow. And we would all go do our thing. Bang, 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 bang. Jump in a car and go. I'm not encouraging anybody to do that. But I'm saying as a, as a thief, right, the, the, the mistake they made. And I, my son will tell you this. My if I got a sound system, when you roll through your community, turn it off. Don't show off over here. Don't tell everybody what you got in the car. Dude, wait till you on the freeway to let that thing turn it up. How do you know that? That because I used to be that guy. I, I, they, I know they still out here doing it, you know. And so you, you don't you don't give the enemy anything to work with at all. And so here they're giving, the, you know, the enemy needs them to consent to this. Um, I know this that Satan also. He wants to weaken us for the future. Right. He didn't. He could have just they could have just killed him. They said, we don't want to kill you. We want you to live wounded. We don't want to take you out. We, we want you to exist maimed by us. So Satan is happy to let us exist, 
maimed, hindered, broken. How many, how many know people that they believe in the Lord, but you look at their broken, broken up lives, addicted, uh, all kind of trials and tragedies and stuff that they brought upon themselves and just not a good witness and say, he's like, I, I, I'd like you to stay around like that. Stick around looking like that. So it's a bad witness for who you say you represent. And so he, they would have to consent to him. He wanted to leave them wounded for the future. I wrote down here, agreement with the enemy is never a good move for the believer anywhere. Don't ever consent to make an agreement with be in connection with the, the enemy at any point. We always fight the enemy. Amen. And that's that's the spirit that, that we need to have as believers. The enemy, we fight. We resist. We rebel. We fight. We don't submit. We don't consent. I'd rather die with two eyes than to, than to live here with one eye. Would it be one eye Willie in the name of, you know, Nahaz? Kill me with both my eyes, you know? So that's, I believe, the spirit that believers are to walk in. It would be better to fight again and, and die with two eyes than to let the enemy have a, just to give up a victory. Don't even fight for it, just let them take it. Um, and so the last thing is our spiritual armor. The armor that God gives us, New Testament saints, Paul talked to us in the book of Ephesians about the armor of God. And I've always said this the armor of God only covers the front. You know why? Because it's never intended for us to run. The spiritual armor, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, feet shod with the preparation. Everything is intended for the soldier to be going forward. There is nothing to protect your backside in that armor because you ain't never supposed to show it. We're supposed to always be moving forward on the enemy. And so remember that the enemy is like, if I can get you, the only way the enemy can beat me is if I quit. He can't be the only defeat. I can be defeated if I surrender, if I quit, if I continue to fight. In the name of the Lord, God to be my victor. And so we must fight on. And so if there's warfare, if there's battle, if, there's, if, we're, if we're hindered, if we're, you know, things are going on. We, we as believers, we want to be we want to be minded to stay in the battle. Never submit, never give in. Fight. God, I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to let the Lord fight for me, but I'm not going to submit. I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to give in. Moving forward, um, um, look at verse uh, three now. So verse three, it says, then the elders of Jabez said to him, hold off. For seven days that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then if there's no one to save us, we will come out to you. So this is interesting, right? They say, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now this, I mean, this tells us how, how weak they must have appeared in the eyes of their enemy. They said, well, 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 let us call all the other tribes and see if we can get some help. If no one's going to help us beat y'all, then, then, then we'll consent to this. And they said, go ahead. So some would say, well, maybe the maybe the Ammonites weren't as prepared as they presented themselves to be. Maybe they were so sure that Israel was so divided and messed up. They were like, go on, go on and go on and see if you can find some help for this and then come on back. They let them go. They let them go seek help so they can come back. And I want you to imagine how defeated you would have to be if you went to seek help. And then you came back and said, man, we couldn't find any help. OK. So it would just be even greater defeat. That's even a mental defeat. Now my, nobody got my back. Nobody I went to get aid and nobody helped me. And so they let them go. And they, go ahead. Says in verse four. So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. When everybody heard, and I want you to note this, right, that the news was shared, not in private, in public. The main Gibeah, they went up. It was a public, you know, they told everybody what was going on. And when the people heard it, they lifted up their voices and wept. This is the condition of Israel. Again, I'm looking at this thinking, where are the men of war? Where are the valiant men? Where are the people that say, you know, well, hold on, wait a minute. You know, this reminds me of later on, we're going to see in 
the, in, in Samuel, we're going to see that the Philistines have put Israel in check. They got a giant Goliath that comes out every day and taunts Israel uh, in front of. I mean, just imagine one guy coming out and being so impressive how big he was. He taunts the entire army. The whole army of Israel is there and nobody wants none. Saul don't want none. The soldiers don't want none. They, this guy is coming out and he's just giving it to him every day. Who wants some of this, you know, and just calling everybody out. And David, who wasn't even thought enough of to be sent to the battle, he was just a little ruddy kid. And his dad said, go see how your brothers are doing at the war. And David, went, David's just going down to bring some cheese and see how the brothers are doing to tell his dad how things are going. And David gets down there and hears this Philistine uh, speaking about the army of God. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And why are y'all letting him talk about our God? Like David was like, absolutely not. You know, he's made, I will fight him, you know. But David had the spirit of God. And we're going to see today that Saul, it's when the spirit of God comes upon it, everything happens from there. I got to make this distinction for us as well, that in the Old Testament, it's not the same as it is for New Testament believers. They weren't indwelled by the spirit. The spirit would come upon individuals for acts of service and the Holy Spirit could come upon you and he could be removed from you. In Psalm 51, uh, David, in his repentance for his sin against God in taking Bathsheba uh, and killing her husband, when he repents in Psalm 51, he acknowledges his sin before God. He says, God, against you and against you only have I done this, this wickedness. And then he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. In Psalm 51, 11, David says this, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because David understood it can be taken away. We'll see that in Saul's life, though it's upon him now, it will not be upon him always. And so we're in a different scenario, right? As soon as you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to what? Yeah. Dwell inside you. And so now every believer has the Holy Spirit on board. What is he doing? Convicting you of sin, guiding you into all truth. He's at work in the life of the believer. That's why you can never be the same. Somebody get born again and stay the same. I don't think you were born again because you can't be the same. You can't. You, you're going to the Holy Spirit's going to be there saying, I don't want to do that. I know you've been doing that your whole life. And I know because I got saved and the stuff that I was doing every day on a regular. As soon as I got saved, the Holy Spirit was like, we're not going to do that no more. You're not going to feel good about that. You're going you're gonna to feel some kind of way. You'll never enjoy that the way you used to enjoy that ever again. And that's how sanctification happens. Holy Spirit is why you begin to feel about your sin the way God does. None of us are that holy. We're wretched. You know that? Every one of us left to ourselves, the Bible says, man, we, we are wretched individuals. We need God. You would never be holy without God's help. And so God said, I'm going to move in and I'm going to help you get where I'm trying to take you. God will dwell inside you, with you convicting you, leading you, protecting you, helping you, um, causing you to God. The Holy Spirit is the one that make you make you hate the sin you used to love. And you'll be asking God, help me take it away from me. Forgive me for it. You know, and, and, and then that's where God will. God will now help you. Now you're begging God to do. He's like, that's that's exactly what I wanted to do as he's just doing his cleanup work in our hearts. But then because some people think that's it. God wants to save me and make me stop doing all the bad stuff. Oh, no, no. It's the cleanup so that God says, because I got something I want to do after that. I want to first I want to possess you. I want to indwell you. I want to clean up some things. But then we see in Acts 1-8, that same group that were that were indwelled with the spirit in, in John 20, 
Now you come to Acts 1 and Jesus tells that same group and another one of his post-resurrection messages to the disciples. He says, look, you wait here. Don't don't. You guys aren't prepared to go do the ministry. I'm calling. Wait right here. Wait until the spirit of God comes upon you and you will be witnesses for me of me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's what's going to happen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.